Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey, what's going on? This is Truth Live Shenanigans Podcast. Yes, we're streaming all over the world today at TLS Live Show. We're now weekly, every Sunday at this time. My name is Neil Nix, and today we have a great show planned for you, all hot topics today. The Z wants to talk about the creepy Duggars. One of them was arrested for child porn. Yanni noticed a growing segregation in millennial wealth. Robbie is talking about the consequences for COVID parties. And I'm talking about Republicans not wanting black history to be taught in school. A quick fire will be Mitt Romney and Shenanigans Game Show will be celebrating Asian and Pacific Islander Month with Shenanigans Trivia. All right, now before we get into the show, I've got to introduce you to my amazing hosts, Miss Lizzie Enders, our English professor, editor, journalist, and sports savant out of Washington, D.C. What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, Monday. Hope everyone is doing well. Beautiful weather here in the nation's capital the past yeah. two days. Beautiful weather. Hopefully the weather is nice and getting a little bit warmer where you are. I need just one more week. If you guys can just burn some sage for me for just one more week. This is my last week of hell. Grades are due on Thursday. I have a syllabus for the New York Times due on Wednesday. I have a job interview on Tuesday. So if you guys can just get me through oh, all of this, this week, I think I'll be good. This Z is a busy, busy woman. Busy, busy one. Very. All right, and our rock yeah. star with the rock band Fallen Machine. Coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Rob E. Rock. What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> So, Liz, um, I will burn some sage for you, but from a reasonable <laughs> distance, I would request that any neighbors on your floor not burn any sage or anything that may smell like sage at like any sage. point in time soon. <laughs> Just saying. So he's referring That's to sage. my neighbor. I live in a no-smoking, non-smoking, smoke-free building, and my neighbors lighten it up with the ganja on Thursday, Friday. Mm. <laughs> being timid and about to beat some ass. It is so rude oh. and disgusting. You signed a lease. You signed an agreement that you would not smoke in the building. My entire apartment reeked. The elevator reeked. The floor reeked. I think my cat Remy was high. Like it was a complete mess. <laughs> it was a complete mess. So thank you, Rob. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, our youthful college student, model, actress, and co-host of TLS Unscripted, Miss Diani Storm. Hello, guys. Happy Sunday, fun day. Um, I'm excited to start doing the weekly Unscripted with Olivia on Wednesdays. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be uh, an entirely new day, and I hope you guys tune in on Wednesday. Um, but... Other than that, pray for me too. This is my last couple of weeks in the semester. I've been deciding if I should take summer classes. 
My savings are saying I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see how things go. Take, take that week <laughs> off. Take that month, that, that few couple of months off. Yeah. yeah. I think if you don't have to, get some rest. Get yeah, some rest. take a break. Yeah, right. school can be so, tough. You're right. Plus, you have a bunch of other projects going on. I, I would focus, if you can, if you can afford not to be in classes this summer, I would focus yeah. on all of the other projects you got going on. Miss Hazel Valentine maybe needs some time. Um, <laughs> That's so, true. Right? Hazel also, Valentine. Just so you can you know, catch a breather. I know, you know, because I yeah. also, too, am in teaching and you are a student it's been a rough semester it's been a rough exactly. semester so if you can get some rest girl get some yeah. rest That's I second true. that that, that emotion all right thank you all right let's get started with our quick fire question all right utah senator mitt romney the republican senator that voted to impeach trump both times was booed this past week by state delegates and called a traitor and communist while giving a speech. Romney hit back with, boo all you like. Aren't you embarrassed? But let me ask you, what would you have said if you were up there getting booed for standing up to Trump? Start with Lizzie. What would you have said? State of Utah, I would have been like, okay, calm down, polygamists. Calm down, polygamists. <laughs> Robbie calm Rock. Down. <laughs> Boo yourselves for supporting a fascist, racist, lying traitor for four years. The GOP, nay, America, deserves better from you. <laughs> Gianni? Um, I said what I said, and I'll say it again. All right. Now, I said what I said. Now, I'm not sure what I would have said, but I, I think, I, knowing me, I might have slipped up with an accidental fuck Trump. But that's just me. That's just me. I I, I feel like I feel like I would have I accidental. <laughs> accidental. It would, yeah. <laughs> All right. There was also a recent attempt to censor him though by Republicans. Um, it failed. But I'm curious. Do you guys think his political career is in the dumps for being the only Republican to consistently stand up to Trump? I mean, maybe in Utah, but I still think you know he might have a run for. Uh, president still, you know, available to him in the future. It just shows the hypocrisy of, you know, the citizens of Utah, the constituents in Utah. You guys are hyped and pissed over um, Romney voting for Trump to be impeached. You guys are also the state that is probably one of the most religious in this country. Mormon, Mormonism, you know, screams throughout the entire state of Utah, yet you are now backing a president, a former president, who openly, publicly talked about grabbing women by the pussy, who cheated on his first wife with the second, second wife with the third, mm -hmm. who now we know was having sexual relations with a porn star. Yeah, okay. Hypocrisy all around. Hypocrisy. What would the Mormon faith do? What would the Mormon faith do? I don't know. Stop. I don't want to talk about the Mormon faith, but I, you know, I don't know. Stop. Stop. That's a whole episode, little, little, man. A little shading is yeah, going literally. on over there, too. I'm going to just leave it. At I don't think his career is over. I think that, I think, honestly, there's more people that don't like Trump than are that do in this country, really everywhere. But, so I don't, I don't see his, his career going down. I still feel like people support Romney. Yeah, well, that's, I, I also think that, you know, particularly amongst the sickle fans of the Republican Party, because the Republican Party is now 
two very extremes. They're, they're, they're very divided amongst themselves. So I think amongst the more moderates, they would be supporting Romney as much as possible because that's the type of voice that they need leading the party, not what they had for the last four years. And they're going, it's going to be a while before they can undo all the damage that rhetoric did because it galvanized a lot of supporters behind the party underneath that shitty banner. It always amazes me too that you know Republicans, you know, they they rally behind Donald Trump so much, and they're quick to call out someone like Romney. They're quick to call out um, John McCain as a rhino, i.e., Republican in name only. When Donald Trump was reg was a registered Democrat at one point, mm -hmm. Donald Trump gave to the Democratic Party. Donald Trump was a friend of the Clintons, was an advocate, supporter of Bill Clinton when he was going through all of his, um, I did not have sex with that, sexual relations with that woman controversy, um, probably yeah, because Donald Trump was in a similar controversy, but he was a Democrat at that time. So he, if anyone has flipped and flopped back and forth between parties, it's been Donald Trump. The only reason why he, you know, turned his back on the Clintons was because they didn't invite him to Chelsea's wedding. That's when he got pissed. That's when he decided, okay, He's I'm such a whiner, man. liberal Democrats anymore. I'm going to creep back over to the Republicans where I, I tend to be appreciated. So they're just, they're just hypocrites. They're hypocrites. 100%. Yep. 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 All right. If you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a bit about us. Our hosts and our guests share their truths and opinions with you, call out those lies, and point out any of those ridiculous shenanigans going on, like this whole Romney deal. And on our show, we always try to have some fun with shenanigans of our own. You can join in the conversation live every Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern, or download the podcast for free anytime on Apple Podcasts and listen or listen to wherever you, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and jump right on into our hot topic. All right, Lizzie. Let's see. We, Lizzie, you had a you have an interesting topic on the Duggars. Duggars. Tell us, is this truth lies or shenanigans? This is truth and shenanigans. The shenanigans to the point where Mofo needs to be underneath the jail at this point. Underneath the jail at this point. So the oldest, the eldest member of the 19 and counting Duggar clan, Josh Duggar, was arrested on Thursday by Homeland Security and indicted on two counts of child pornography, possessing and distributing child pornography. This is after it became public uh, in 2015, it became public that when he was between the ages of 14 and 16 years old, he molested at least five underage girls. Four of the five were his sisters. The fifth girl was a, a young lady that belonged to their church. So um, he molested them. He apologized for doing something bad. Um, but then right after that story came out, also in 2015, it became apparent that he was a member of Ashley Madison, the Ashley Madison website. Mm. Ashley Madison, Madison website was set up for people who are married and wanted to cheat on the down low. And so he admitted that he was on Ashley Madison website, but also at that time he admitted that he was addicted to porn. So when he was arrested on Thursday on these child pornography charges, it came two days after 
his wife, Anna Duggar, Duggar, Anna Duggar, was on Instagram announcing that she is pregnant with their seventh child. So my question to the panel is, what are we going to do with Josh Duggar? <laughs> what are we going to do with Josh Duggar? <laughs> I, I want to hear from Gianni first. What, what do you think, Gianni? Because there were some details that Liz um, was spilling that I was like, I didn't know that he, I saw the molestation oh, yeah. charges were um, not to his sister, so incest. Yeah, um, I remember that. He's, he, that's a lot to unpack. So he's he addicted to porn. He's, he was never arrested. He's never served any jail time, except for now. He's been in jail since Thursday. But before that, right. no jail time, no arrest, nothing. And that's what the biggest red flag, well, not even red flag, that was, that's what I took out of all of this. I was like, wow, nobody's ever held him accountable. Like, nobody's ever charged him for anything. I'm, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do with him. I think that I'm interested to see how this child porn case goes because, yikes, yikes. But um, I don't know. And then I saw his wife. She's very, she's still very uh, supportive of him. He mentions that they're still going through things, so it's like I don't. It's scaring. They're like, like a. Said, it's creepy. They're like a cult almost. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. How many kids are we talking? Is, so is his mother here? From the parents, from um, Josh's parents, nineteen kids. Um, but but not just nineteen pregnancies. That she's been pregnant more times than that unfortunately had some miscarriages. miscarriages but 19 kids um the interesting thing is that so the older ones now are getting married and they they're basically separating themselves from the parents especially the older girls who are getting yeah. married they're separating themselves from the parents a couple of them have had no contact with the parents over the past couple of years so there's a lot going on in this family um Rob, what you, what you have to say? What are we going to do with Josh? What are we going to do with Josh? Well, I know that he's currently out, but under condition that he is not to be around minors. So that means he can't be around his kids. Um, this is it's messed up. It's messed up. I, I mean, 19 kids and counting. It's like, why do you keep wrecking that vagina? It's, <laughs> right, it's, uh, <laughs> At some point, you have to stop because you clearly don't have the time available to make sure that your kids get some of the proper direction that they need along the way. Um, Josh is responsible for his own actions. It's slimy. It's gross. It's disgusting. It, um, isn't the least bit surprising, though, coming out of a fundamentalist family that is seeking the limelight because they typically have the most skeletons in their closet, or when they do come out, they're usually pretty big skeletons. And this is definitely the case with uh, the Duggar family. I feel awful for his wife. I feel awful for his children. I pray that his children um, are untouched. I hope that it's I hope that he's only found digital material and he hasn't acted upon anything in the physical world, but unfortunately acting digitally does force physical interaction at some point. If there was no one seeking the content, the content wouldn't be generated. So he's, um, he's a big part of the problem and he needs to be dealt with accordingly. 
So before Neil speaks, let me just say something about the content. So it's alleged that he downloaded and possessed um, material that included sexual child abuse of children under the age of 12. Under the yeah. age of 12. Neil? Well, you, I've said it a hundred times, you know how I feel about kids and um, people hurting children and sexual assaulting children. It's not, as a matter of fact, I was, it's funny, I was watching um, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid, I don't know if any of you guys watch Handmaid's Tale, but that show is like by far the best show on TV. I mean, because with the dialogue and the writing and the stories. Anyway, the most, one of the most recent episodes included um, a discussion on um, abuse of children. And, you know, I don't usually, like with movies, I rarely get emotional, but when I get emotional, it's usually about kids, right? And so when I hear someone talk, you know, abusing children, I mean, it just, I get angry. Um, and, you know, it just, I think he needs to rot in jail. I mean, rot in jail, but I, I, I've told you all before also, I'm, I'm good with bringing corporal punishment back for certain crimes, such as this, such as abuse of children. Um, because I don't think just rotting in jail is enough to learn a proper lesson. I think some people need 40 lashes. No, I, I just think. There's, do you feel there's historically, though, those people? I think a public Sorry. 40 lashes, not you know something behind the scenes, but public humiliation, like Cersei on Game of Thrones. Like, you know, we need to see it. We need to see your humiliation. We need to see you at your lowest point for violating not only your sisters, not only little kids in the church, but now getting off on watching other little kids being abused. Be yeah, yeah. Like I say, I, I mean, I, under, I know, I know, corporal punishment has a horrible history simply because of the way it was implemented. Obviously, because you know. People are, you know, of course, corporal punishment was used on slaves often. And then, you know, there are some countries that use it inappropriately currently. Um, but I'm okay with certain situations that being all right. I mean, I just, I just am. I just am. Like I said, Duggar, I'd love to see him get, get his 40 back. I think what bothers me the most at, at this point, you know, we're in 2021. Um, his, his, initial molestation accusations came um in the mid 2000s so we're talking like 2004 2005 mm -hmm. it was uh, 2006 it came out it came to light in 2015 we're now in 2021 and he has yet to be disciplined he has yet to be charged with anything he has yet to exactly. be punished it came problem. out that you know he had been molesting his sisters i think the youngest sister at that time was four when that came out his parents sent him to work on like their farm or something he was never arrested he never got any counseling he never went to jail there were no repercussions and so we have now a situation where and not saying this to say that i feel sorry for josh because quite honestly i'm like neo i think he should be like oh yellow he needs to be put down but oh, you're talking about put down. Huh. You said corporal punishment. I mean, yeah. Oh, you said you know. put down. I didn't say killing. Put down. Put down. Put down like, oh, yeah. But we have a situation where 
this young man, it, it was it was apparent to his family in his teens that he had a problem. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't they knew addressed. It. Address, that yeah. allowed it to manifest. That allowed him yep. to continue unchecked. And Rob talked about the family dynamic in which there were 19 kids and counting. So my dad, you know, was the second youngest boy of 10 children. And my aunt, my godmother, she used to talk about all the time. She was the second oldest girl. I was named after the oldest girl, Elizabeth Eleanor. She was the second oldest girl. And she talked about how growing up, she resented her mother so much because she kept having children, but wasn't taking care of them. The responsibility for taking care of the children was left to the other kids. And that was the same situation with the Duggars. She would come home after having a baby and then all the other kids had to take care of the baby. And then she would just go frolic with the husband and then get pregnant again. And so that's creating a, a situation of not taking responsibility for your actions from the parents on down to the children. And unfortunately, the cycle probably is now with some of the grandchildren. Like Rob said, I hope he did not touch any of his children. I, I really do, because they're still fairly young. They're under the age of 10. Like, it, it's just, it's disgusting what has happened. But yeah, I think he needs to be taken out in the shed like Oyella and put down. There's no, at this point, he's in his 30s, there's no rehabilitation. There's yeah. no rehabilitation. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It, 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 it probably can't be rehabilitated. Kevin Thaxton says, if he gets put down, we can save tax dollars. I mean, you know, D.C., we pay all this money in taxes and we not even a state. I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. That's a whole nother topic. I checked around to his vile parents put the onus on daughter on their daughters to publicly forgive Josh. Mm -hmm. that. that was ridiculous. That was another thing. They were pressured into giving statements into which they were like, we have moved on. We've moved past it. Well, let me tell you, I have not moved past some of the horrors of abuse in my childhood. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would not, and that could be one of the reasons why they are now um, removing themselves from the family dynamic because there are at least two of the older daughters who have nothing to do with the parents anymore. So. Uh, Mike Winter says child molesters get the worst beatings in jail. Oh, that's true. That's true. They do. They do actually. So kind yeah, of like, well, that's what I was saying. Historically, people who harm children do not fare well in prison. They don't. I immediate execution like you know they he could stay in jail and take his whooping for several years but at some <laughs> point you gotta put you gotta put the rabbit dog down you gotta put the rabbit dog down and so um i think rob mentioned this as well like he is he out on bail now i'm not sure if he's out now i believe if, he is out on bail right now and that's what one of the conditions was that he's not to be in the presence of minors can't be around his own children even. Can't even be around his own children now. There's a question for you guys uh, from Jacqueline Robinson. Twitterverse has been busy all weekend tweeting pictures of this child molesting troll with various prominent Republicans. Mm. Huckabee, Cruz, Rubio, Pence. What do you guys say to that? Uh, he's a fundamentalist Christian that speaks to their power base, and he's in the media. So, of course, they've got a bunch of photo ops with him. It's not reflective of any systemic 
kind of molestation happening within the Republicans, but he's someone Mm -hmm. who spoke well to their voter base. He absolutely spoke well. I don't know, Rob. It might be. I don't know. Like people tend to stick together. All I'm saying. Pedophiles of a feather. (laughs) I'm not going to outright say that Republicans tend to be pedophiles, but Pedophiles of a feather. Touch kids. Pedophiles of a feather. Just saying, I know. Oh my God. Like people tend to, and and like people tend to protect each other. But like Kyle Rittenhouse, for example. They they tend to be the ones that are protecting these people that are not speaking out. Look at Matt Getz. How do you say his name? Gates or Getz? I think it's Getz. Um, Down in Florida. So it's coming out now. So now his own boy. You know, came out and wrote a letter. Now, granted, he wrote a letter, you know, to try to get some type of um, leniency when he was being charged for something. But he wrote a letter implicating Matt Getz in paying for sex with a 17-year-old. When these charges first came out, the Republicans came out in droves defending him defending him instead of saying, okay, let, let's take a look at this. Nope, 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 defending him. And again, these are the same Republicans who defended, who are still defending, grab him by the pussy Trump. Yeah. Grab him by the pussy. Yeah, I think you're about to say something, right? Um, no, I don't, I don't remember now. That's <laughs> all right. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got caught laughing because Todd Whelan's back. He says, I ain't messing with that lovely lady. She crazy. <laughs> I don't know, but it just made me laugh. <laughs> All right, Kevin Thackson, Republicans aren't true Christians. The fundamentals of Christianity don't coincide perfectly with Republicanism. All right, let's move on to our next hot topic. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, uh, so we got next up is Rob B. Rob B., you've got some... Uh, some interesting things to talk about in Canada with COVID par- uh, parties. Robbie, is this true lies and shenanigans? Ah, some truth and shenanigans. Absolutely all mixed into it. Um, Canada hasn't been doing as well during the second wave as we did at the, the onset as far as containing it. And part of that has been just a slow vaccination response. But we're getting there. But um, in British Columbia, again, uh, people who break the health rules by holding parties that lead to death from a COVID-19 infection can now be held responsible for manslaughter uh, mm. because it falls under the definition. It's basically Makes sense. Uh, yeah, exactly, right? It is manslaughter charges stem from an unlawful act that causes death and a foreseeable activity that could that could cause bodily harm. So <laughs> having a mass gathering and flouting the COVID-19 restrictions, 100% falls under that category. So I really wanted to pitch this to the crew because I know we we had done a story about a guy in New Jersey about a year ago who was doing the same thing and he'd gotten some pretty hefty fines. So now with manslaughter being brought into the mix, do you feel that the manslaughter charge fits the crime of that just these illegal gatherings. I can jump in here, actually. So, I mean, I actually have felt like it should be considered manslaughter um, because it's like anything else. Manslaughter is if you indirectly cause the death of somebody, right? 
Um, that's what manslaughter basically means. You indirectly cause the death of someone else, even if it wasn't intentional. Um, but I think I think it should be considered manslaughter, at least because if someone I saw some videos where I saw one video where a guy was going through a grocery store and he was unmasked, I guess, because I know I was, I went down south for a short vacation and they allowed people to be unmasked in the store. But anyway, there was a video of a guy, he was touching his face, touching his nose. Oh, I shared that with you guys. Right. Touching himself in the face and then grabbing all the food items. Putting it all over the food items, right? Now, if someone goes into that grocery store, catches COVID and dies, why shouldn't he be held responsible? Even if we don't know for sure that it came from him. You know? Even if we don't know, he clearly was doing something intentional to harm others. That was his mm-hmm. purpose. That was the only purpose he had. I mean, to be an asshole and hurt people in some way. Um, so, yeah. Should he be held accountable? Absolutely. People like him should be absolutely held Lizzie, you want to go? I feel. Oh, um, oh sorry. Hi, Jen. I was just gonna say I feel, I agree that if you indirectly um, kill somebody, then yeah, you should face consequences. The reason I'm kind of like biased is because if say it is a, a big party, there's a is a large grouping of people. Who do you? Yeah, you can say the host of the party is in, is the reason, but really, technically, everyone there is kind of at Bingo. fault for like being there so it's hard to that's hard that's going to be hard to like hold up in court and then also i don't know i but i do agree i feel like if you're if you're causing if you're unintentionally causing harm then and it leads to somebody dying then yeah um but i don't know i don't see how that would hold up i I don't know and i agree with what you're saying johnny the host is the person who's ultimately responsible because they're throwing the event so that's where the manslaughter charges would stick on that person. Everybody else who's attended these gatherings are absolutely eligible for the fines that they can get for this. So this, it, this was really brought about from uh, a gentleman who had a gathering, had 78 people in a club just in his penthouse. So it's about 165, meter, 165 square meters. So that would be... I don't know, 600 square feet, roughly. So you just had people crammed into a small space. And you're right, Johnny. Everyone else that's there was foolish enough to put their own lives and their grandmother's health at risk. So, yeah, you give them the big cost. Yeah, the manslaughter charge and, and is for the organizer. And that's, why I don't, and that's why I think in this specific situation, we're talking about manslaughter charges for someone who hosts a COVID 19 party. I think that's too severe because you're dealing with people who are in agreement, who are willing participants to this action. They wouldn't die if they didn't willingly attend the party. So if you're going to charge, if you're going to charge the the host, then you're going to have to charge some of the people who are there as well. Because one, we don't know if the host is the carrier. Who's the carrier? It's the carrier. But isn't he still indirectly responsible for the death of others by hosting a party without the carrier? Yeah. I'm just saying knowing that they had COVID, but also everyone else who is culpable and is just like, I want to get COVID. That's the whole point of a COVID party. 
is everyone yeah. wants to get COVID. And that and these aren't COVID <laughs> parties. These are just these are gatherings. Yeah, they're illegal gatherings. They're people wanting to get together and party because yeah, the provinces calling. have told them and said you can't party. These aren't COVID parties for the sake of getting sick. They're just we're just calling COVID parties because they're illegal gatherings during the COVID we'll restrictions. We'll see. And so then that wasn't clear because there have been COVID parties. Yes, here absolutely. In there I'm not sure in Canada, but clear and but still, I mean, if we are in the middle of a pandemic. And everyone, all of the restrictions, the government, the CDC, everyone's telling you, you know, to use precaution, to quarantine, to socially distance, and you decide to give that the finger and walk into a party where no one is wearing masks, where it's not, no one is socially distancing properly, then I don't feel sorry for you. I don't, if you get it. That's on you. The onus is on you. The responsibility is on you to take care of yourself. That's fair. And I mean, that's fair. I mean, you're, you're you're saying that making a choice to go to a gathering like this is in itself yeah. a responsibility. And, and the host wouldn't be having a party if people didn't come. It's tough. I mean, you, okay, you, what you, your argument makes sense for sure. Your argument definitely makes sense. That if I choose to go out to a, a COVID party, why would someone? Why would the host be? held responsible for whatever happens to me. I should be held responsible for whatever happens to me if I chose to be in that situation. Stiffer penalties for the person who is providing Maybe yeah. That's absolutely, I think that's absolutely in accordance with the law because if it wasn't for that organizer, the event wouldn't happen. So stiffer penalties absolutely apply to that individual. But then also too, it's gonna open it up to people who have um, not necessarily violating the rules okay but someone still goes to their establishment i go to a bar and i get COVID from someone at the bar even though we were socially distancing but the bar was open the bar could have chosen to close until all of this was over i see but okay but yeah. this is but it but your argument right in your argument following co if, if the bar is following COVID protocols then you're right it's on and you you're assuming the risk but if it's an illegal gathering but also, how do you prove <laughs> that person people. got COVID from that party? How do you prove that that person that's, has not been? That's why I said so hold up in that in person your... hasn't been walking into the party. That person doesn't wear a mask, is not socially distancing property. How do you prove that they got COVID from someone at that party versus someone before they They'd got have to, to the investigate party? I mean, you certainly can't prove it, but putting... exactly. So then. So then you can't charge anyone with manslaughter. Okay, but it's in your in your scenario. If if we're taking something that's maybe more um, obvious in terms of who gave it to whom, um, like let that's like saying that a person who knows they have AIDS and decides to have a relationship with someone else who does not, and for some reason the person who does not chose not to use protection. And so you're in essence saying the person who chose not to use the protection and engage in unprotected sex is responsible. I'm not saying that at all because the situation with, with AIDS that you're describing is more streamlined. It's more individual. I'm just talking about who's responsible. But you can- But through contact tracing. You can contact tracing. But what, yeah, if what if you could contact trace back to one single individual at a party? Well, First of all, in certain states, in certain countries, that individual would be responsible. 
Okay. Not for manslaughter, not manslaughter, but they would be responsible. They would be jailed at some point. But I mean, manslaughter onus, might be a, a bit excessive. But I, I might the onus is also on me. Like, I'm, it's 2021. I know not to be raw dogging it with somebody. You do. Yeah. But if you do, but, but if I'm a person, if I have AIDS and I know I have AIDS, that's intentional. That's an intent. That should I'm be held denying, accountable. I'm not denying but you, that. I'm you, not denying that. But that, that situation is way more specific than a COVID. But I just said, what if you can contact trace back to a single person who goes to a party with COVID, knowing they have COVID? I mean, then consequences should be dealt. Tell, you still can't tell that that person got it from that individual. That's true. I mean, could have no, but you can, con but you can contact COVID. trace to a spread event. You can contact trace back to a bulk event. Absolutely. So if but you've got you know, 30 cases that originate from one event, then it's appropriate to hold the organizer responsible but because you know, they, but it's on them. I, I, didn't, I didn't say not hold them responsible. I said manslaughter. We're talking manslaughter. manslaughter. I, I might agree with Liz on manslaughter. I, 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 I agree someone should be held responsible. I think manslaughter charges. Maybe fines. Maybe when you're some time at jail time. Participating in their own, I might get it. I might get it. Yeah. I might again, I use this all the time. It's not even just AIDS. It's, you know, in situations where um, pregnancy is on the table. You know, I can't be mad at a dude who I, you know, I have unprotected sex and then I get pregnant. I'm, you know, in my 40s. I know how not to get pregnant. And so if I get pregnant with and I am used I'm not using any type of contraception, it's just as much as my fault as it is his. I know how to prevent this. I'm not stupid. Okay. Agreed. I don't know I don't know just as much. I don't know if just as much is an accurate statement. Because Probably even more if I'm if someone knows they have AIDS and are engaging in in improper relation or or COVID. If somebody knows and they tell their partner they there should be a higher level of responsibility for that individual. Taking a risk is different than intentionally hurting someone. It isn't. It's intentionally hurting yourself. It's Taking a risk. You, it's like saying if I take a risk to drive and I get an accident that I'm responsible. I mean, I know every time I go take a, take a drive that I could die. That's completely different than hopping on a raw penis. That is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, all, people take risks in multiple different fashions, you know that. but you there know are that. people who take intentional actions all of to hurt community people. Payments out here, and you going out there, and you're not protecting yourself. <laughs> that's that's just a risk. It's a mistake. It's a dumb thing to do. Yes, but it's not, it's not an intentional thing. Anyway, all right. Let's get to this comment. <laughs> we'll just keep on back. All right. So contact tracing is 100%. This is Kevin Thaxton, but uh, has worked in many cases, most cases. Neo AIDS, that AIDS example has been made illegal in several states, by the way. Um, this is where contact tracing comes in, Lizzie, Jacqueline Robinson says. Uh, you would be shocked at how many people contract COVID from attending family gatherings. That's why nobody been in my house but Mike Winter. I would not be shocked. That's why I'm quarantined. <laughs> All right. Kevin says uh, that person invited nasty bastards to that. To what was supposed to be a perfectly safe orgy, liability of the host. <laughs> uh, let's see. Paul Whelan was commenting. 
But the, oh, he had a question. So should the same be applied to the flu, Robbie? No. Well, if it was a flu strain where people were dying and there were health rules in place and you were told <laughs> wow. not to restrict, if it was <laughs> if it was that type of flu, sure, sure, yes. <laughs> Has the flu been yeah. known to be lethal in some instances? Absolutely, the influenza yeah. can kill you, one hundred percent. But mm -hmm. this is a pandemic. We don't have a an influenza pandemic. Also. The flu is a bit different in that, and I mean, doctors, you know, people in the medical profession feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are people who are, with the flu, people are less asymptomatic. Like if you have the flu, you are down for, ain't nobody with the flu going to a party. That That's just not <laughs> right. happening. That's true. You are yeah, down. Yeah. You are out. Yeah, you are pretty symptomatic. I've had there, are some, there are some asymptomatic people. I'm sorry, say again? I think there are some asymptomatic or, or have lesser, lesser. Um, but, but not like. Not as common. People COVID think, okay, not I'm not common. feeling any symptoms. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. That's not how the flu works. That's that's not how it works. I recall like the Rudy Gobert, before we knew this was going to be a pandemic, Rudy Gobert was giving an interview and he was sick. And he's like. That that he family. takes his, his hands and he puts it all over the microphones and everything like that. And um, because it's he was thinking he had the flu or some just cold or something. I mean. So, Bear, Neo's talking about a player for the Utah Jazz. Yeah. He's lucky that I am not the NBA commissioner because I would, I would have banned him from my league. 100%. Even if it wasn't he, COVID, you shouldn't do that. He just, I mean, yeah. 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 That part. But you're putting people at risk. In general. Yeah. I mean, you're intentionally, and it's an intentional action. All right, let's move on to our next one. Truth, <laughs> All right, Gianni, you want to talk about some millennials. We've got some uh, weird stuff going on with some millennials and their wealth. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? This for millennials? I don't know. I always, I, I'm always confused. Who are millennials? Oh, yeah, what's the age group? Millennials? Yeah, millennials. There's two types of millennials, the older millennials and the younger ones. The older ones are the ones born in the 80s. And I believe it's the, the 80s through early, early 90s. 1981 to 1996. So if you're born between 81 okay. and 96, you'd okay. be considered a millennial. Okay. That's yeah. still so Gianni. Still really young. That's still Gianni. She's still really young. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a millennial on, okay. the, on, the, on the panel. We got to get a millennial. <laughs> So an article study data collected from the Federal Reserve's um, Survey of Consumer Finance, research, researchers focus on older millennials, like we just discussed, people who were born in the 1980s. Um, they found that the typical millennial household was 40% behind what previous generations had in wealth um, at that same age at that time. So although many millennials made dramatic progress in 2016, it was found that Black millennials um, have had it worst of all. So they're just falling further and further behind um, when it comes to white millennials and building wealth for their families. Oh, sorry. So the black generation, generations haven't amassed wealth even compared to their um, black generations before them. And despite progress in politics and culture, most black Americans have yet to see any wealth gain. The typical white millennial family has about 88,000 um, in wealth, and the typical Black millennial family has about five thousand wealth. 
So the potential factors for the difference in white and black millennial wealth, uh, research, researchers found that first, white millennials are more likely to have parents that have wealth or their benefit from their, from their like wealthy parents. So about 80% of black millennials with at least a bachelor's degree still have student loan debt and compared to their half of the white, their white counterparts. Their parents have more resources as well and white millennials are also more likely to own assets like stocks and homes. So my question, what are we gonna do about this millennial wealth gap between black and white Americans? What are we gonna do? Uh, let's start with Robbie, what do you think? Huh. Um, well, wealth and resource distribution hasn't really involved in tandem with the industrial and the technical technological revolution, which is a contributing factor, a big contributing factor in my opinion. Um, it's automation has eliminated a lot of work at the lower level. So people without a bachelor's degree uh, are finding that a lot of these jobs are taken up with automation. Um, we need to be moving more towards a common good because capitalism is failing the world. And your story is just an element, another element that demonstrates this. Um, historically, Caucasian, uh, Caucasian Americans have controlled the wealth in the United States. They've had uh, better financial supports than their African-American counterparts. There haven't been roadblocks like Jim Crow um, in their way. And under that climate, many families many Caucasian families were able to enrich in themselves. And this presents more opportunities for their families, their children to grow the wealth collectively. Um, and I know through conversations with my co-host that this is something that needs to be changed in African-American culture, just to be talking about your wealth, building wealth, the importance of building that credit. Um, but when you're competing for those jobs um, initially, that there's a real challenge there for sure, Johnny. And I, I know that for myself, I was fortunate enough that my parents worked hard and invested. And when it came time for me, as soon as I got my first job, they were like, hey, you need to take out a bank loan. You need to start building your credit, your wealth immediately. Um, so, I mean, I was fortunate enough to get those lessons early on. There's a lot that needs to change with modern capitalism because it is it's a failing endeavor it agree. really really is i agree with you yeah um my thoughts it's as, as robbie was saying we black families don't teach their children about wealth in general businesses buying houses real estate uh, life insurance you know, life insurance is one of the biggest ways that um, families can pass on wealth. But I remember um, I sold life insurance for a very short period in my life. And I learned a ton, though, about wealth, money, money management. And, I mean, that's what I got out of that. I mean, I would go to talk to a black family. And black families were scared to talk about life insurance because we're talking about death, right? What's gonna happen when you die? Now, whereas you, you go into a white family home or sit down with a white family and they get it, it's like, boom, yes, I need 
life insurance because I want my children to be taken care of. I want, you know, it's, it's not about the fact that I'm dying. It's about the fact that I'm taking care of my children. And the mindset is so different. I mean, and, and this is from experience. This isn't something I'm talking about from outside looking in or anything like that. This is from experience. This is what I experienced. And, but it's just because those are not the conversations black families tend to have. You know, many white families will, like, like Rabi, set up, uh, you know, college funds for their kids. They'll set up, you know, of course, life insurance. They'll talk about it at the dinner table. These are important conversations that we never had. But in addition to that, our parents never had it either, those conversations. <laughs> so, you know, those conversations never happened to them, so they don't even know to have those conversations. They, they would Half the time, they didn't even know what to say. I mean, fortunately, I know what to say to my kids. I have kids, but you know, and, and I still I don't know everything. So I don't know enough. You know, I don't know enough. I'm I'm not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. And, and in addition to that, a lot of this is residual from being held back from slavery and exactly and, that, right. that's where it so yeah that's where it starts. And I I feel like I understand. Point of these conversations, the point of these statistics, but America does acknowledge um, how ridiculous the notion is that black folks are just going to catch up yep. in a decade, in two decades. Yeah. We have, for at least two centuries, but beyond that, but at least two centuries, dealt with the government that was complicit in subjugating us and keeping us down. I'm talking about redlining. I'm talking about lack of access to education. I'm talking about banks that wouldn't, you know, allow us to have accounts, wouldn't allow us to have loans. So no, parents weren't talking about wealth, residual wealth, ownership, because they weren't allowed to own. Like if you could rent a property, you were good. You were fortunate. And so, yeah, my parents, my parents owned our home, you know, my, actually my dad's mother owned the home first. And when she, you know, right before she passed away, she, you know, gave the home to my father. And so he owned the home with my mother. However, my mother got bad advice about the home. My mother took out one of those, um, what is it called? APR, those, those annual... No, no, no. Is it a reverse mortgage? What is oh, it called? Oh, reverse mortgage. Ooh. Um, and, and Jacqueline Robinson. If Those can work in some situations, I just want to say, but with, with, with in that, most, that, it doesn't. But with the reverse mortgage, more often than not, the family does not know that the person who took it out took it out. If Jackie, if my sister and my if we had known, I would have been like, no, okay, we will get you. We will give you money to help you take care of you for the day. With a reverse mortgage, the bank owns you. Yeah, they give you money for the cost of your property that you can live off of, but as soon as the person who took the mortgage dies, the property is owned by the bank. And if we want to, um, the house that I grew up in, if I want to have that property, I have the balance of the mortgage right away, that day. There are no payments. You can't pay, make payments. You have to pay five hundred thousand, six hundred. Like it, it, it's crazy, but it's attractive to a lot of older people mm -hmm. who 
feel like they don't want they need to income. They need to they survive. Need and they don't want to feel like they are dependent on their families. Yeah. But a lot of these conversations yeah. that aren't had in the black community are because of and when I say ignorance, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean it in that we weren't taught because we were never taught about ownership. Right. We were never given the opportunity to think that we could own something. It was always, let me pay the white man to rent a little piece of his property. And so... Not only, only that, discriminatory practices in lending as well. Like, redlining red yeah. is still going on. Redlining yeah, is. is still going on. It's called something different now. It's usually you see it now when black homeowners are trying to sell their property and they are being, you know, um, when their property becomes appraised, if you will, the appraisals are downsized mm -hmm. because they are black. But it's not a it's not a fair game. And so all of these things come into this particular issue about millennials not having the same amount of generational wealth, if you will. The same amount of it's good to be credit. expected, really. It, it's it's it because everyone expects us to you know play catch up as a people as a community in like twenty years. Okay, you free, you supposed to you know get yourself together. Well, how long did it take you to subjugate us? Yeah. And the good thing is, I mean, the positive is there are improvements, right? But it's not surprising millennials are, are have been taking advantage of. The ability, their their parents' ability to make money as well. So it's it's just the advantages are overwhelming, um, you know. And I'm not surprised by it. But Gianni, I wanted to give you a, a minute or two, or, or a few, at least a minute to kind of share your thoughts. I feel, given the numbers, given the statistics, obviously we're not surprised. We know why they we we know all the factors that contribute to it. I feel like. Like Liz said, you guys are, they're so concerned with pro providing us these numbers, but there's no solution. Like, are, are we going to, because there was such a disadvantage to us, well, really oppression completely, um, to black people or, or minority groups, are there going to be, like, is there going to be some type of advantage? I'm not talking like reparations, I think they're called. I'm not talking that, but just where is the advantage for us to catch up? Um, it's not like a, a a cry for help, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they tried with affirmative action, but I don't think affirmative action was really enough. Well, also, so as yeah. Gianni mentioned reparations. I mean, I don't think that there are going to be any reparations that I see in my life. Doesn't lifetime. make sense. But as yeah. as I look at my own personal situation, like you know, did we talk about you know um, financial growth, financial responsibility in our house a lot? Not as it related to real estate and property however my parents were very strict about spending about being frivolous with money and i just didn't listen like my <laughs> current financial situation you know where is you know i'm glamorous in you know the possessions that i own possession minus property like i if you saw my closet you would think i was like a kardashian or j-lo or something like that However, that's on me. That that's that's not really on my parents. I often get asked, you know, because my dad died um, 
right after, like right before we graduated high school. And I was very close with my dad. And so I often get asked, you know, would your dad be proud of you if he saw you? And I'm like, yeah, he would be proud about a lot of things. But the first thing that would come out of his mouth, if he were to see my closet, if he were to see my possessions, I would get a full lecture because he would just be like, you have all of this stuff, but you don't have any stuff. And that's on you. And so there are a lot of us that don't pay attention to it because we we see we we grew up seeing what everyone else had on the outside and wanting yeah. to get some of that. Um, yeah. So it's a lot. It's a lot that goes into this topic. It is it's a lot that goes. Into it is topic. good choice of topic. So like when it says this depends on one's economic background as well. My grandmother wouldn't stop talking about this kind of stuff, but as a whole race of people, black people were prevented, not just by Jim Crow. Look up the New Deal. Jim Crow aside, USA through the Federal Housing Administration, HUD, uh, had approximately 35 years of overt deed restrictions that disallowed sales to black people. Uh, and redlining is still a thing. It worked in the 90s. It was, I was 20 years old yep. then, and it's still a thing. Uh, and let's, yep. and Jacqueline Robinson, said, let's talk about those restrictive covenants that still exist in some of those Needs, particularly in high-income neighborhoods. Yeah, so I mean, we the, the community's been disadvantaged for years. In addition to the lack of knowledge, I mean, when you can, but I still think knowledge is the key because as what you don't know, people can take advantage of you and get over on you. But the less you knowledge know, is definitely, the key. definitely the key. But I think for our parents, it wasn't just lack of knowledge; they were working on survival, like mm -hmm. they were trying to survive. It was a different, yeah, it was a different. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, it was, I think the, the knowledge thing would trickle down to my, to our generation, Neo, where, okay, I had this knowledge and I chose to, you know, rebuff it. I chose I mean, not to do it. Let me give you, so my first car, my first car was a Ford Escort, right? And I, um, I had no knowledge of like interest rates and, you know, you know, payments, I just know, okay, this is what I can afford, this is what I can pay. I had no knowledge of like how it worked. They got over on me big time. I mean, my payments were like super high and my interest rate was, I think my interest rate was like 11, 12%, some ridiculous amount. And, you know, eventually the, the car got repossessed. Um, you know, and that was, you know, and that stayed on my credit for years and I didn't even know how significant an issue that being on my credit would be. I was yep. just like, I can't pay the car. And then so for years, I paid for trying to improve my credit, right? Just because of this lack of knowledge. And I mean, I was just, it was, this had came down to a lack of knowledge and understanding of these things. Once I understood these things, I'm like, oh my God, you know, if, if I had known. But Neil, so I'll give you another quick scenario. So. I've never in my life had a driver's license. Everyone that's close to me knows I don't have a driver's license. I've driven without a driver's license, but I've never owned a car. I've driven across the country without a car. I've driven from Colorado to DC with Corbin Ruth, Mullenix, Goldstein without a car, right? <laughs> but the reason why I don't have a driver's license is because not because we didn't have cars in our house. My dad always had a car. By the time I was what? 14, my sister had a car. So I grew up in a house with two cars, but 
Now, my thinking, my possessive, you know, um, kind of conceited thinking, if you will, I told my parents on my 16th birthday, I'm not getting my license if I don't have a car in the driveway. <laughs> no, no car of my own in the driveway. And I didn't want a used car. I wanted a new car. <laughs> and I think my dad was just like, okay, I'm just going to throw her to the wolves. Like I could do nothing else with her. That was just me being spoiled and believing that I was owed something. And so I, and so from there, I, and that is a, that's a common, that's a common thought yeah, in, in the, in the community exactly. as well. I, I, I've always felt like I've been owed something. Common... And so fortunately for me, all of my friends have always had amazing cars and have been willing to drive me wherever. <laughs> now we have so I can, you know, I've never had a license ever, ever. Yeah. And I probably will never get one. Our brother's the same way. <laughs> he won't really? All right, that was actually a really good hot topic. Yeah, we, that, that was a uh, great discussion, guys. Great discussion. Thank you, Johnny. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, last one's me. I'm talking about them. I'm going to make this quick. But uh, I'm talking about these idiot Republicans, and, uh, and this is straight-up shenanigans. So one of Joe Biden's initiatives to help bridge the gap that we've been talking about created with the years of racism and the wounds reopened with the slew of crimes against black people recently is to teach Black history in school. It's like a good concept, right? But a group, a group of Republicans decided to send by the letter requesting him to withdraw his proposal to teach black history and, and make it part of the curriculum. And they called it divisive. They said it was divisive. So simple question to you is, do you think teaching black history is device, divisive? Well, I can't say the word. But I think I think I know where most of you guys stand, but if you don't mind trying to play devil's advocate, uh, you know, are you able to make a cogent reason as to why it could be divisive? And then, contrary to that, I want to know truth, you know, about why it's important to teach. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's start. Let me start with Lizzie first. Let me start with Lizzie. Again, I, I'm a professor at an HBCU at a historically black college slash university. Why would I think this is divisive? Why would I think teaching American history, which includes black people, which includes African-Americans, why would I think that's divisive? One of the things that makes me so sad is when I introduce a person or a piece of history to my predominantly black students and they have no idea who I'm talking about. Do you know how many people at the beginning of the semester, right before Black History Month in February, how many of my students had never heard of Carter G. Woodson? Wow. Do you know how that makes me sad? At and Howard? So to have, to have, at Howard, but, it, but, but they're freshmen at Howard. So Still. they're coming in okay. Howard. No, oh, from other schools. I got you. From, from other, other places, schools, yeah. Not being educated. And so to have people, members of government, who are sitting here and trying to say, no, first of all, y'all barely teach black history as it is. Right. It, it's, it's not a priority. It's a blip on the syllabus. It's a blip in a history book. And so for these people to want to come down from the blip, and make it just a mention 
Again, that goes to the previous topic in conversation about financial responsibility. We are slowly being erased again from the conversation. And so, no, I, I think this is bullshit. And I want Biden, Biden should call me again as a, a professor at an HBCU. Call me to testify before the panel. I got something for your ass. That you I do. I'd love to see that. <laughs> Robbie? That would be great. That would be epic. Yeah. It's a, first thing that came to mind was, careful, your white guilt is showing. It's uh, <laughs> white guilt. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, don't don't teach it because that's it's cringy. It it makes us feel like you know something. Yeah, you did. Somebody <laughs> did something wrong. Absolutely, right. Um, but for me, I had to stop and think about uh, the Canadian experience because we had a lot of shenanigans historically with our Indigenous uh, populations with the uh, with with First Nations people, and it wasn't until the last decade that Canada has opted to teach in schools about residential schools. Um, for those of you who don't know, the residential school system was a network of boarding schools for indigenous peoples. It was funded by the Canadian government and administered by Christian churches. And really the long game was to just assimilate these people. Um, that was information that I wasn't provided with as a child in the school system. If mm -hmm. I didn't even hear about this stuff anecdotally until my thirties. So, Shame, shame. So it, and, and then learning about it has forced me to reframe a lot of bad ideas that were thrown my way throughout my entire adult life. So through education, you gain understanding. You create a common point from which to build. Because if I don't understand yep. someone's, someone's struggle historically, how am I going to understand their struggle today? And it's only through education right. that you're going to achieve that. So, mm -hmm. I mean. Very well. Good. You took it, one of my points. Good job. Oh, that doesn't happen often. I'll take it. <laughs> Gianni, do you have some time? It's very well said. Um, I 100% don't think that it's divisive. I go to, I go to an HBCU, like Liz said. Like, I, I would never say that our history, the people that are here, um, learning about that and, and our struggles or lack of struggles, whatever, learning about the history, I don't think that's divisive. But to play devil's advocate, even playing devil's advocate, it's hard to find a good point. I think the only thing that I could find and think of is, it reminded me of this this quote that Morgan Freeman, I think it was Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman said something like, the way to stop racism is to stop talking about it. And I always was like, he said something similar to that. I, 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 I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, right? so I feel like maybe that is the angle that a good Republican, <laughs> I don't know, I'm kidding. Um, but maybe that's the angle that they are coming from sometimes when it, when it comes to teaching, a black history, teaching about black history. Um, but they always want their hands in something. Like they always want to, to control something. Like, no, just let us teach the history that we know to be true. Maybe they're afraid that there's more demons that might come out. I don't know. So, yeah, that was a 60 minutes know, interview, by the way. You're right. This and I disagreed with him wholeheartedly. Oh, I, yeah, I was I, confused I just by that. I with Morgan Freeman on several things. Many um, things. And I, yeah. I'm going to call him out on his relationship with his now deceased um, step granddaughter. We're not going to go there. Um, but 
one right. of the examples, one of the examples of not having um, a diverse history program in this country, former Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum, last week, in talking about Native Americans, talked about how the beginning of the United States of America began on a, a blank slate. <laughs> that the settlers came over to America. America was nothing. And these were his words. The Amer America was nothing. And they saved us. They created this country. They created all. And it's just like, bruh. And of course, of course, people, mm -hmm. he, he's now um, a commentator. He works for CNN now. He's no longer a senator. He works for CNN now. And everyone's calling for CNN to fire him. Not the first time that he says some bullshit, but it's just like, have you not looked at American history? So you are saying that, you know, the people that came over, the white folks that came over from Europe that were imperialist, that basically wiped out the Native American population that were already civilized and living here, that this country was nothing before you all got here. That, that's what you're saying. That's what he said. That's what he was saying. That's and so that's saying. the problem with not having a true testament of what American history is about. Just yep. saying, you know, American history is that's what they're learning. Whitewashed. Mm -hmm. That's what that's like exactly what they're learning in their schools. Exactly. Yep. That we're only here because of white, you know, inventors, because of white, you know, um, thinkers and people who, you know, want it to be progressive, that that's, that's the problem. That's what we deal with. And that's where a lot of racism comes from. Yeah. The yeah. idea yes. that the rest of us, you know, were just on the side sweeping the floor that we did, we had no contribution whatsoever. Yeah. So yeah, I've always been very critical of Rick Santorum. <laughs> so the, uh, she was putting her middle finger up for those on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to Morgan Freeman's point, um, the more ignorant you are of certain situations, the more you kind of accept things. But um, I do like to play devil's advocate from time to time. And I did try to play devil's advocate with this. And I, like you, Gianni, struggled. But the only reason I could see teaching black history in schools could be divisive is because it could divide their families. We've already seen it already with like the mm -hmm. Trump era, more progressive children standing up to their racist parents, right? And so yeah. if children in their racist families were to grow up learning the truth, instead of being spoon-fed this racist nonsense, they would learn to be more tolerant, just like Robbie was saying. Yeah. That's interesting. They would learn to see like, the foolishness of their, of their parents, and the people in their communities, what they're teaching them is just bullshit. Yeah. No? They'll look at them like an enemy. The truth of history is not saying that, you know, white people aren't relevant, that white people haven't no. contributed to Surely society. Not. That's yeah. not saying at Absolutely all. Absolutely not. See, that's what no. scares Republicans, right? They won't be able to lie anymore. They won't be able to maintain this sense of superiority they have. And that scares them. Right. So, of course, they don't want black history taught in schools. You know, why would they? Because the children learn they're liars. I mean, y'all may be able to do that, you know, in um, what I'm going to call now the 50 states, although D.C. is about to become the 51st. Don't get it twisted. However, in Washington, D.C., like, you can't tell me 
you know, that black history should not be a part of the curriculum. No way. You to be the president of the United States, the former president of the United States, and sit in the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue and have the nerve to say, eh, it's too much. It's ridiculous. Just like Jacqueline Robinson said, black history is American history. It's American history. I mean, because... you wouldn't America would not be the wealthy one of the wealthiest countries in the world had it not listen, been for slavery. Listen, listen, read Ralph Ellison today, what America would be without blacks. Read Ralph Ellison, y'all. I mean, Ralph Ellison. You will get a full picture. There's a TikTok I, I posted on, on our TLS page where it's Chelsea Handler doing an um, interview with um, down in a uh, this Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Alabama, and she was just interviewing people on the street, and and they were just so ignorant talking about the slaves were treated well. There's maybe just one person. What slaves were treated well? Like, Let me know. They were saying there was maybe one slave owner that treated their their slaves bad, and you know the rest of them treated them like family. <laughs> I was like, what the? I was just. I, I, it was, it's crazy. It, it's happening. Go on the TikTok page. It's like, uh, about history. I mean, y'all think that slavery was a good thing, that, you know, we were just living high, living large on slavery. Come on now. Really? Really? Kind of, really? All right, let me get to these comments online real quick. Uh, <laughs> we got Ty Dion. What's the vices not to teach black history? They should teach black history. Everyone needs to know what's happened, how it happened, and why it happened. Education is not a shaming mechanism. It's a way to mechanism. It's a way to build empathy, compassion, and help provide space to create new, stronger, and better foundations to work from, to work from together as a human race. They need to do the same with all groups of individuals that suffered at the hands of the white discriminatory patriarchy. Um, that started here in Canada with the indigenous peoples here in Canada. But there's a long way to go long way to go and i agree i mean just like you said with ricks and torm stating that this was a blank slate i mean come on where <laughs> is this that's that's Some people ignorance. believe him yeah my my, yes. my dad actually had a comment so no learning is not bad um okay and a few black students at lewis and clark college where he went to school had to demonstrate uh black history uh, he said he only had 20 black students in his school. We had to be added. We were, um, we were also, they demanded a black professor. Um, and, okay, yeah. I, I'm sorry, it's hard to read it. <laughs> I think he's on his phone. All right, um, Kevin Daxon said there would be a need for black history if black folks weren't brought here. Would there be a need if black folks weren't brought here? Sure, if black folks weren't brought here, I'm telling you, America would not be what it is. Not be with yeah, us. This would be a different country. All right, that's it for hot topics. Good stuff. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, let's get into our game show. Mm-hmm. All right, so this month is Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So we're going to start out the month testing you all's knowledge with some shenanigans trivia. Uh, this is Asian and Pacific Islander edition. 
<laughs> quiz is from factmonster.com. So PLS is not responsible for the accuracy of this quiz because I don't know yeah, how accurate you it is. Out there. You That's a good disclaimer. There's going to be some shenanigans, y'all. I don't know. If, <laughs> I, I didn't go through it, so I don't know how accurate it is. We're going to find All out right. and we're going to test it out. All right. So I'll go He's around and ask. not responsible for the spelling and grammar. I'm not responsible for that either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll go around, the, I'll ask the question, and you'll have 15 seconds to answer. If you get it right, you get a point. The most points wins, and that person gets our final thought of the week. So I'm going to start, let me see, I'll start out counterclockwise. Let's go with Gianni Storm. You ready, Gianni? Yeah. Right, question number one. When did Chinese, it should say Chinese-American workers, begin to build the Transcontinental Railroad? That should be your first indication. That <laughs> That's why I have put my disclaimer. <laughs> All right. Well, workers begin to build a transcontinental. Was it 1865, 1900, or 1950? What do you think? Um, 1900. 1900. That is incorrect. Incorrect. Correct answer is 1865. The Central Pacific Railroad recruited Chinese American workers to work on the Transcontinental Railroad in 1865. All right. Next question for IB. What island was nicknamed Ellis Island of the West because it was a major immigrant processing station in the early part of the 20th century? Was it Goat Island, Angel Island, or Alcatraz Island? I'm going to go with Goat Island. Goat Island. That is incorrect. Incorrect. All right. <laughs> Angel <laughs> Island is a gargantuan. Angel Island processed mainly Asian immigrants from 1910 to 1940. Goat Island is now called the Yerba Bueno Island and houses a lighthouse and naval training station. Alcatraz was a uh, notorious prison. All right. Liz E. In 1976, whose work incorporated Asian American history, myth, and memories of the author's family? Was it Pearl S. Buck, The Good Mother, Maxine Hong Kingston, Woman Warrior, or Amy Tan in The Joy Luck Club? I'm going to go with Maxine Hong Kingston. That is correct. 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 It definitely wasn't Amy Tan in the Joy Luck Club. I was going to say, that's a little soon, right? <laughs> the publication of Kingston's family memoir, memoir was notable for its mainstream success and was awarded the National Book Award in 1974. All right, Yanni, round two. We can catch up to Lizzie. What was the purpose of the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. Ooh, see, this is why we need history, y'all. This is why we need history. Chinese Exclusion Act. This is a significant historical act. All right. So to increase taxation of the wages of Chinese laborers, to prohibit the immigration of Chinese laborers to the U.S., or to establish greater trade controls with China. Ooh. 
Um, what was the second one? Sorry. So, <laughs> what did you say? The, the purpose of the one? Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 is to increase taxation of the wages on Chinese laborers, to prohibit the immigration of Chinese laborers in the U.S., or to establish greater trade controls with China. I think it's B. B? That is correct, correct, yes, yes. All right, before 1882, anti-Chinese sentiment had increased and riots occurred in San Francisco due to the quantity of cheap Chinese labor. The Chinese Exclusion Act back banned immigration of Chinese laborers for 10 years. Subsequent laws expanded this power and were finally repealed with the new immigration laws in 1943, two years ago. All right, Robbie. All right, your chance to catch up to. All right, what's a picture bride? Picture bride. Is it an Asian woman who agrees to an arranged marriage through an exchange of photographs? A traditional ceremony in which the bride is prepared for her wedding day, or any woman of Asian descent who marries interracially? Picture bride. I'm I'm going to use word okay. association and pick number one. Once again, Bing. I would have picked that. I would have said that too. That is correct. Correct. All right. Picture brides, right. still common today, often did not see their new husbands until their arrival in the United States. More than 20,000 picture brides came to Hawaii between 1907 and 1924, primarily from Japan Jeez. and Korea. Oh, wow. All right. That's incredibly a lot of people. Wow. All right. Lizzie, this might right. give you the win. Let's see. Who were the pensionados? Pensionados. They wanted their pensions. They wanted their pensions. <laughs> Let's see. Japanese American veterans from World War II who lobbied Congress for pension plans. Filipino students who came to the U.S. to study medicine, agriculture, and other fields from 1903 to 1910. Or Asian American students who started the Yellow Power Movement in the 1970s. Pensionado. <laughs> I'm going to say B. Oh, you're going with B. I was thinking one seemed too obvious. <laughs> like it's very obvious. It might be right. That is correct. 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 And you win Thanks. the game. All right. The pensionados came <laughs> to the U.S. under the, the aegis of uh, the U.S. government. Most of these Filipino students returned to the Philippines and made significant contributions to agriculture, business, education, medicine, and government. Good job, Lizzie. I couldn't hear you. What did you say, Lizzie? Just notice that this is a lot of Asian American history that the average U.S. citizen does not know about. Very yet true. Your, your politician. They want to like streamline and say, no, 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 no more diverse history. We just going to keep it whitewashed. Mm -hmm. We just going to keep it yep. whitewashed. Yep. yep. Exactly. All right. Let's get into our shout out so we can close it out. All right. Let's go clockwise this time. Lizzie, shout out. Shout out to my sister, Jacqueline Robinson, who is now. <laughs> vaccinated. I have not seen both of us. We now live in the same city in Washington, D.C. I have not seen Jacqueline Robinson in over a year. 
because of the pandemic. Oh. So shout out to her. I'm fully vaccinated. She's fully vaccinated. So hopefully we about to get it done. About to get it in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Shout out, Robbie. Uh, very special shout out to uh, my cousin Mark, his wife Lori, and their son Alex. Uh, they lost uh, their son Eric very suddenly this week, unfortunately. So very special shout out to family. Just tons yeah, of love absolutely. and support. I wish we could get together and uh, hug it out and cry at a funeral, but uh, it's not in the cards during COVID. So I will plant that tree for Eric. All right. Johnny Storm. Shout out to Olivia E. <laughs> I can't wait to I can't wait to start this new um, schedule with you on Wednesday. And thank you for just being a good friend and for conversing with me. And we just our relationship has grown over this time. So shout out to you. That's awesome. I, I'm I'm happy to see that relationship grow as well. All right, my shout out today is to all my TikTokers out of the out there. I, been doing a series on racist songs, songs you didn't know were racist, <laughs> and they've been blowing up about over 12,000 followers in just like a couple of weeks. So I want to thank my TikTokers out ah. there for all the support. If you haven't already, find me at Neo, N-I-O underscore Nix, N-Y-X, Neo Nix. All right. And we have a shout out. We have to do our pet of the week. Our pet of the week goes to, oh, I don't have the pet of the week, unfortunately. But you can go to oh, no. our okay. Pet of the Week page, Pet Shenanigans page, group page, and you'll see Remy, beautiful Remy Lizzie's my cat. My boo-boo baby, my boo-boo baby. <laughs> this Pet of the Week was my Remy <laughs> <Remy> cat, admiring <laughs> himself in all of his Chanel glory. <laughs> Maybe we'll get lucky and I can pull it in before we close it out. So we'll see. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. All right, so that is all the time we have. Make sure you check out our TLS Pet Shenanigans page so you can post your pics and videos of your favorite furry or not so furry friend. Uh, and of course, group pics. I mean, the winner gets a shout out here on the show. Hey, if you want to shout out yourself, make sure you go to our, our social media pages and one of us will shout you out. And I'd like to thank you for joining us. Maybe we hope that you maybe learned something, gained a new perspective, or you can get some things off your chest. Please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and share at TLS Live Show. Tomorrow, check out the YouTube page for your favorite moments and clips. TLSShow.com. Our next live show is on Sunday, May 9th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That is Mother's Day. So we will still see you there, 4 p.m. Yeah, Mother's Day. I've been reminded. <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> don't, don't forget this Wednesday, Johnny Storm and Olivia E. will be holding it down with you Wednesday nights on TLS Unscripted. And our winner, final thought for the day, winner is Miss Liz B. What's the final thought, Liz? Final thought, very quick. The Wizards are trying to get into the playoffs, y'all. The Washington Wizards are trying to get into the no, playoffs. No, right? So, yeah, DC, DC Rising, watch a Wizards game. Send them some tweets. Send them some love. We deserve it. We love it. We, it would be our third championship since 2018. 
Come on, y'all. Damn. We can do this. Yeah, we can do we can, it. We can get in there. We can get in there. Oh, and I did was able to pull up Remy. Let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it real quick. <laughs> That's Remy. Look at that. That's my baby, y'all. That's my baby. <laughs> Admiring his Chanel self, his king self. <laughs> All right. Damn. Damn, I am a sexy beast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Thanks, Gianni. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Lizzie, and our people behind the scenes, Miss Jose, Olivia E. Most importantly, I want to thank you for joining us. We will see you all next time. Oh, yeah.